Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's word and consider how it applies to our lives. We cry out, we cry. Series this, this month is Christmas Wishes, and today we're talking about joy. And I want to ask you, what is your Christmas wish? Maybe it just happened right here. Maybe that was a part of it, right? You saw your child on stage. I mean, that's pretty special. Uh, maybe your Christmas wish has to do with opening when your child opens that perfect gift and you see the expression on their face and you're so excited about that. Or maybe if you're a dad, your Christmas wish is to be able to complete the thing that you ordered that you have to put together before Christmas Eve, right? Have you ever had that experience when you're up like all night? Maybe you're planning for it. Maybe you've got it still coming in the mail. You're wondering, am I going to be able to put that together? One year, we ordered 300 of those cardboard blocks. Ever seen those? You know, those, they're, they're made out of cardboard. They look like blocks. They're amazing. They're good for building things or bopping your sister on the head. They're tremendous. And I'm thinking, 300 of them, you're just folding them in place. How long could that take? Well, it turns out. Let me ask, if you've ordered those, you've got at least a day and a half project for you. They come flat, it turns out, and you get to fold them into place. We had 300 of them. But I got to tell you, they were absolutely amazing. When you think of your Christmas wish, maybe it's that I really hope I can spend some time with some special people I don't get to spend a lot of time with. Or maybe it's really simply that phone call you're looking forward to from an aunt, uncle, mom, dad, child, maybe who's far away, and you just look forward to that time, that warmth of feeling, that love that you feel in your family. But really, if we're honest, all we really want for Christmas is a Hallmark movie, amen? Now, come on, you've watched them, guys. Guys, well, I've never seen a Hallmark movie. I don't ever watch that, except for I know exactly what the plot's going to be, right? She comes from a big city to a small town. She comes and she runs into an old boyfriend. They, they don't seem to like each other, but somehow they do, and you think they're going to get together, but no, the boyfriend comes from the city and almost disrupts everything, and just for a moment, you think, things are not going to work out. Oh no, it's not going to work out. It's a Hallmark movie with a bad end, but then miraculously... The boy from the city goes back and he turns out to be a terrible guy and she marries the guy in a small town and everything's great. Listen, that's what we want from Christmas. We just want things to be great. You know, even in the suspenseful instant, and it's an instant in a Hallmark movie, right? It's, it's very short. You know in the back of your mind things are going to turn out. You just know that. That's why we watch them. That's why there's 150 of them, right? We think about Christmas. We just want that joy, don't we? But why should we be joyful? Where does that joy actually come from? Because honestly, some of us have gone through Christmases where it really wasn't all that joyful. Maybe there was a challenge, maybe a difficulty, or maybe you didn't know if you could afford it. Or maybe, like me, you, you bought something you would take too long to put together. Where does the joy come from? Well, today we're going to look at the very, probably the most well-known part of the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. This is the part that, if you've seen Charlie Brown's Christmas, that Linus recites beautifully. Um, and we're going to look at joy versus fear. Joy versus fear. And as we do, I want you to think about how you really feel about God. 
is it joy or is it fear? Is it joy or is it fear? Look with me, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. And what's happened so far is that the angel has appeared to Mary, angels appeared to Joseph. They're betrothed, which means they're legally bound to get married, but they haven't been married yet. And they go to Bethlehem because the government has a tax and a registration on them. And they travel to Bethlehem and the baby is born and he's born. It's, it's, people think it's a stable. It's really more like a garage. It's kind of like a, a place you would keep livestock that's attached to your house. And he's born there and it's amazing. And then there's the announcement. The announcement beginning in chapter 2 verse 8. And the Bible says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people." For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Shepherds? Angels? Who are we talking about here? God makes this incredible announcement, and he announces it to shepherds and with angels. Chances are you haven't come in contact with either one of those this year, right? I mean, just, there may be a handful of you who have maybe ever even met a shepherd. When we think of shepherds, we, we kind of wonder, why did God choose them? Shepherds are often believed to be, we have this image of these guys are these very strong and virtuous guys who care for the precious sheep, and, and they, they seem to us to be really wonderful people. They're so caring, they, they love their sheep so much, they even stay out at night with them. No, not really at all. Don't think of a shepherd that way. Shepherds were actually known to be incredibly dishonest. They were known not to be worshipers, put it that way. They were probably out in the field at night because, one, they were hired hands, and two, it was probably the time of year when lambs would be born. And so they had to be out there to make sure the lambs were cared for, that there weren't any lost lambs in the process. But these guys, honestly, when you think of shepherd, you could put in the place of that outcast. Outcast. That's who they were. That's who God announced the coming of his son to. He announced it, he announced to a bunch of outcasts. Let me ask you. Have you ever been an outcast? Have you ever felt like you didn't belong? You ever felt like maybe society and culture or maybe even a church wouldn't accept you, wouldn't receive you? If that's you, you're in a good place because that's who God announced his son to. That means that he is available. God announces his good news to shepherds. And he uses angels. Or particularly, initially, one angel. Maybe asking the question, well, what is an angel? 
What is an angel is a created being that, re, that uh, lives in the heavenly realm that goes between heaven and earth. It send, brings messages from God, does the work of God, often brings the judgment of God. They're not humans. Unlike what it says in It's a Wonderful Life, my all-time favorite movie, there is a point of theology that is inaccurate, and it's not true that every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. That's not true. That's not true. Your grandmother who passed away is not an angel today. Humans don't become angels. In fact, there will come a time when humans will rule angels. So maybe your grandmother who passed away is actually in position to start to rule angels. And really what we mean by that, that, you know, I lost this person, they're an angel, would probably mean they're a heavenly being, and that's, that's fine. But angels have had a front row seat to what God has done throughout history. It's a powerful image of this incredible beings that God has created that incidentally do have a will because Satan and his demons are fallen angels. So God uses this angel to announce this event, and so this would cause people to be afraid. Suddenly, an angel materializes. But it's more than just the fact that it's an angel. Look back at verse 8 and notice how it comes, how he shows up. Verse verse 8 says this, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So it's dark. Not supposed to be any lights going off at this point. Verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, so he just materializes. I don't know how he does it. He just suddenly appears. It's got to be an incredibly scary thing. I'm out here. I'm sitting around with my buds, watching my sheep, and suddenly someone just appears that isn't supposed to be there. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. Imagine you're out in the woods minding your own business, and suddenly you can't even hear the chopper blades, but a police spotlight like they have on that police helicopter suddenly shines on you and wakes you up. And not only that, but there's an angel standing there. It's shocking. It's scary. You are filled with great fear. You're startled. And you know that when an angel shows up, there's only one of two things that's happening. Either God is coming in great judgment, think death angel from the Passover, Sodom and Gomorrah, or you're thinking it's possible that he could be coming to bless me, but probably you're thinking because you're an outcast, he's coming to bring punishment on me. It's amazing when a superior shows up, isn't it, how we think that? I can remember when I was in sales for many years and when my numbers weren't too good, Suddenly, the boss would say, hey, listen, I'm coming down to see you. Oh, that was bad. I want to say, well, listen, I think I'm going to be sick for that week, whenever that is. Feeling bad already. He's coming into town, and he's going to go over your numbers with. It's going to be bad, right? You know what it feels like. The first thing, the angel, this is going to be bad. But there was one time, I remember, when I was working in Oklahoma, my dad showed up. I was a 20-year-old college student. I had a summer job. And I was working 700 miles from home. And I came home from work one day. The 4th of July weekend was about to happen. And there's my dad. Not where he belongs. In Oklahoma. 
And at the, for a moment, I thought, is something bad happening? Did something, do I don't know about something? And I look at my dad, and my dad embraces me, and he says, hey, son, I just wanted to see if you wanted to come home for the 4th of July. And he brought me home, got to spend a glorious time. It was an incredibly warm embrace. So the question for the shepherds is, is this good or is this bad? Now, let me just ask you, if you're facing the messenger of God today, if you're facing Jesus, is there great fear or is there great joy? And this is where the passage turns in verse 10. I love how the shepherd, does, I mean, the, the angel doesn't waste time. He doesn't kind of let the, let the shepherds kind of twist in the wind and wonder what's about to happen. He doesn't put on his death angel hood, you know, like the grim reaper. He doesn't do that. He doesn't try to scare them. He just comes right out, and here's what he says. I love this. Such a beautiful passage in verse 10. And the angel said to him, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. They were just filled, I love how Luke says this, they were just filled with great fear. He says, I bring you good news of great joy. So great fear is being replaced with great joy. The same level of fear that they had now should be replaced with the same level of joy. It's a total flip of the script. It's incredible. It's like someone told you you had a cancer diagnosis, but then suddenly you're, you're cancer-free. It's like being told that your child has been killed in action and suddenly they walk through the door. That's the incredible change that happens as the angel says, listen, I know you're afraid, but to the degree you're afraid, I want you to experience great joy. And you may be wondering, he says this good news, I'm bringing you good news, which shall be to all people. So it, it, it's not just for the shepherds. And because they came to the lowest level of society, it covers all of society. I'm so grateful that God didn't just send his angel to pronounce his coming just to wealthy people or religious people or people from New York or people from some other place. He sent it to all people. And you have to ask the question at this point, why would God do that? Why would God want to change fear into joy? I mean, we're afraid of him already, right? There's a respect of God. And maybe you've, you've heard that phrase, you know, well, I heard that you know, he's a, he's a God-fearing person. That seems like a good thing. We should be filled with fear. But really, when we say God-fearing, what we mean is respect. God respecting. Someone who wants to please God. But this fear that the shepherds felt, it was a fear of pain, of danger. But God turns that around. He says, I want you to be joyful. I want you to understand right now, what, you know what God's will is for you right this very minute? God's will for you is for you to be joyful. The God of the universe, the perfect God, the God who created everything, the God who has all power, you know what he wants for you? He wants for you to be joyful. You say, well, Steve, you don't know what kind of life I've lived. I've not been a very God fearing person or you don't know what my week was like you don't know what my history is like listen when God sees you he sees you through the lens of Jesus Christ and his desire for you is for you to be joyful his desire for you 
is for you to be joyful. So you may say, well, why? I don't really understand why that would be. What is this great news that this angel is announcing to these shepherds? Well, let's examine it. Let's examine it. Verse 11, for unto you, for you, for all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. And what he's saying, unto you is born right now near you. They don't announce something to the shepherds and say, hey, look, something's happening over in the other side of the world. No, it's here and available. And that's the picture of who Jesus is. For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. And literally, that, mean, that word means a deliverer. Someone who has come to rescue. Someone who has come to take you across the bridge from fear to joy. That's how we should be seeing Jesus. Says, Listen, you have deserved to be fearful. You should be. You've sinned. But Jesus Christ has come to transport you from fear into the place of joy. From the realm of fear and darkness to the realm of light and joy. God did that. That's his desire. That's what he wants for you. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That means he is the Messiah, the long-awaited one, the King that God has promised. He's born, and he's not far off. He's right here, and you have access to him. This deliverer is going to pay the price to move you from fear into joy. And he says, and not only that, here's how you can find him. Uh, this will be a sign of you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You may say, well, I don't know how that's a sign. I don't know what swaddling clothes are. Swaddling clothes were simply rags that were wrapped around a baby. They didn't have much. He's lying in a manger, which is a feeding trough. That's where they would feed the animals. It just seemed to be a convenient place. And so you can find him is what he's saying to the shepherds. I want to say that to you today as well. If you want to move from fear into joy, Jesus is available. You can find him. It's an amazing, amazing announcement. And if that wasn't enough, I love the message of the angels that come along. Verse 13. So we made the announcement, and then it was, that wasn't shocking enough. Verse 13 says this, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, and before we talk about what he said, understand what this means, it's as though the veil of heaven has been pulled back and you can see all of the angels. There are thousands, probably millions of them at this point. And it's like they have seen all that God has done and they are so excited, their joy overflows so that it's seen on earth. They're lined up, they're excited, they're thrilled. I've seen what God's been doing all throughout history and now. What he's about to do is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And look what they say. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. He said, God is, 
God deserves glory in the highest, and the highest is heaven. That's where God dwells. That's where he is everywhere, but his dwelling place is in heaven. It says glory. God deserves incredible glory. He is amazing. What he's doing is incredible. Glory to God in the highest. And as Hebrew poetry often does, there's a, there's a line below it that are kind of parallel. So in heaven, there's glory to God. And on earth, there's peace. There's peace, and that peace means that there is no longer, there no longer needs to be enmity between God and man, or God and man need to, can be on the same page. There is peace available rather than war. There is salvation available for humans. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Literally, the Greek says, on earth, there's peace towards anthropos through humanity of God's pleasing. And I want to unpack that last phrase, of God's pleasing. Let me ask you, do you think that you are pleasing to God? When God sees you, do you think he is pleased? Or are you fearful about, man, I don't really know what God would say. Is he, I mean, I feel like I, I need to do better. I feel like I need to do more. I feel like I need to grow more. I need to do more good stuff. Listen. God was pleased to send Jesus before you were ever born. See, God was so pleased to send Jesus before you were born that he gave his only begotten son. All the good things in your life that you've done didn't make any difference at all in terms of God being pleased to do this for you. God has been pleased to provide a bridge from fear into joy an awesome thing to think God is pleased with you. It's an incredible place to be. Glory to God in the highest, because even though men didn't deserve it, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, God was pleased to send a Savior. So here's what I want us to get today. Number one, Christmas celebrates God's pleasure in replacing great fear with great joy. That's what it's about. It's about celebrating the fact that God was pleased to trade those things out, to take our great fear and give us great joy. We've got to get that in our minds. We've got to kind of let that, let that settle in there. And you may need to take a couple of days to get that, that that's what we're celebrating that God was pleased to do that. It's mind-blowing kind of love that he has for us. Can you get that? And can you feel that? You need to feel God's joy in providing us this bridge. We need to feel the fact that God is pleased with us. Let that wash up, that he is pleased enough to offer us this salvation. You need to kind of let that set in. Not that you're good, not that you're deserving, but understand this is who God is. Feel his pleasure. It's a really powerful thing to allow God's pleasure to wash over you. And then, the last thing that we need to do is this. We need to live a life of joy. To live 
a life of joy. To live a life that doesn't say, you know what, i got to do better in order for him to like me. i, I got to do all kinds of things, and, and I know I'm not there yet, and I've got to build this good case. No, no, no. You need to live in light of his joy. So, Steve, I don't, I don't really know how to do that because I'm not a very joyful person. Or maybe you've suffered a lot lately. How do I live this life of joy? Even if I realize that, that I need to be happy about the fact that I need to see God as something I never saw him as before, someone who was pleased to offer me this opportunity, that I live in this age of grace, that I can actually receive this gift of salvation. The way you live a life of joy is to receive this Messiah, is to receive this Jesus as the one who paid the price for you. It's very simple. To receive Jesus, all that's really necessary is to say, God, I can't be good enough. I need to repent of the things that displease you. I need to say, God, I want, to, I want your joy to replace my fear because sin is really why we're afraid. Because we know we're not perfect. And we know we're going to have to face him one day. And once we've received this Messiah, this Jesus, we can live a life of joy. Confident that God sees you and is pleased with you because of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be amazing this year? While you're putting up and taking care of and doing all the Christmas stuff you're doing, while you're putting together those toys that have way too many parts, while you're staying up too late, while you're too busy, while you're too stressed, wouldn't it be great to know the joy of Jesus, that God is pleased? While you're dealing with some difficult people, perhaps, while you're wondering how things are going to go, wouldn't it be great to live this entire Christmas season full of his joy, knowing that God is pleased? So one thing that stands between you and his pleasure is receiving what he wants to give you, and that's his forgiveness and that's his salvation. Some of you may have walked with them for a long time. You say, you know what? I've walked with Jesus for a long time, but really at Christmas, I just get sad, or I get angry, or I get frustrated, and I keep thinking about how much this is costing. Oh, don't let that rob your joy. Remember, Jesus Christ is pleased with you if you're a repentant person. Once you have accepted him and received him, he is pleased with you. Let's live in that reality this Christmas season. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.